Hello, and welcome to the first official episode of the Courtside Podcast, an NBA podcast. This episode is brought to you by YouTube's Highway Temptation and Captain Barbo. Want to laugh or just see a great content coming out of a great group of guys playing video games? Look no further than Highway Temptation and Captain Barbo on YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Hello and welcome to the first official episode here. It is the 28th of March with only two weeks remaining in the NBA season before the playoffs start in April the 16th. Everything is coming to still. The picture's not clear. We still have a lot of games left between majority of the Eastern Conference who are fighting neck and neck between the 1 through 4 seed as well as the play-in spots which we'll go into today's episode. And of course we're also going to be talking about the struggles of some teams and the rise of others. And speaking of struggles, we'll start off with the Miami Heat struggling. They lost four games straight against real good competition. However, it's competition that you most likely want to win against, especially down the stretch in the year. And we're talking about three teams that are basically title contenders right now. The 76ers, the Warriors, and Nets being those three teams. And then, of course, they lost to the Knicks at home last week in a miraculous comeback coming off it quickly of the New York Knicks. So the Miami Heat right now are struggling and last week it was kind of hit the breaking point when the conflict turned into the bench scuffle between Udonis Haslam and Jimmy Butler. Uh, still uncertain of what exactly they were talking about. Coach Spoh said it was about you know dinner plans but however he's just trying to make sure that the media doesn't really look too much into it. But with that being said the Miami Heat who had the number one seed for more than a couple of months are now dropped to seed number two behind the Boston Celtics who have been just absolutely on fire winning six straight of their last couple of games and overall I mean 47 and 28 that's miraculous to say that this Celtics team was the 11th seed three months ago so right now a lot of things are changing in the east with the Boston Celtics in the first seed Miami in the second seed and Milwaukee and Philadelphia are still half a game behind both squads of course, uh, Milwaukee being the third and fourth seed is Philadelphia. However, let's just go back into Miami and their struggles. The Nets game was probably the worst basketball game I've seen the Miami Heat play defensively throughout this entire year. They're giving off a lot of chances. They made Andre Drummond look like he was able to control himself in the paint and was really efficient that game. And I've been hearing a lot of Heat fans say this was the worst week of Miami Heat basketball. And I don't know if it's based on the expectations that the Heat culture has or just the fact that other teams are now catching up with the Miami Heat who are coming a little bit stale down the stretch. However, I think it's also the idea that Victor Oladipo is now back on the roster. Victor Oladipo, if you all of you know, has been on a huge injury in the lower leg that's kind of sidelined him within the last two to three years. I mean... If you expect him, he's going to go back to that all-star level. I don't think that's ever going to happen. You might as well just call yourself and make sure that you have to resurrect the idea that Oladipo's career might just be over. I don't really feel like he's going to be a 20 nor a 15-point-per-game type of player anymore. Uh, it's unfortunate as it is, however, the all-star caliber guard and Victor Oladipo that we saw in Orlando will not be resurrected again in his game. And the Miami Heat who have already clinched their division in the Southeast, however, cannot be able to clinch the Eastern Conference just because of the past few games, but as well as how close the competition has been. The Heat been hot, white hot, red hot, whatever you want to call it, 
they've been a phenomenal team between the past two months of January and February. However, so have these other squads. I mean, Toronto was right there until they got a little bit of a hiccup in February. As I said before, the Boston Celtics have been playing real great. Philadelphia, since that Ben Simmons and Harden trade, they slowly has tried to adapt to their roster now, and they've actually been winning a game here and there, but they're only 6-4 and four in the last 10. And Chicago has, surprisingly enough, fallen back a little bit from their high horse, and they're kind of fighting back and forth between Toronto and Cleveland, and that will be another race to look at in the East for that 5th, 6th, and 7th seed to see who actually goes into the play-in. And speaking of the play-in, as we continue on struggles, the Los Angeles Lakers, they just lost last night to the New Orleans Pelicans, 116-108. And they actually gave up 41 points alone in the third quarter. In the third quarter alone. I don't care what franchise you are. I don't even care if you're the Sacramento Kings. There's no way you give up 41 points alone in the third quarter and you're supposed to be a playoff team, let alone a play-in. I do not believe that the Lakers are going to make the play-in. Sure, LeBron's on the team, but there's no more security with LeBron anymore. It hasn't been like that in the past two to three years. I mean, that bubble season was probably the easiest championship LeBron had to face. I mean, what was his hardest competition during that time? The Nuggets? The Miami Heat? Jimmy Butler? Who just came off of a really aggressive, phenomenal, I have mind you, the Heat were, but a really aggressive Eastern Conference, and they were like gas going to the Los Angeles series? The Lakers are a team that needs Anthony Davis. There's no question about that. I mean, to me, their second best player on that roster right now is Malik Monk. And Malik Monk last night had more than 20 points and shooting more than 50% from the field. All right? That just tells you something. Malik Monk, your second best player on roster compared to Russell Westbrook, it, it tells you a lot that you don't have a lot of bench help. You have LeBron playing 40-plus minutes a game and getting 30-plus points, but that's not even going to help you out to control a lead. And the Lakers will lead by double digits, I believe, in that first half. Gave up 41 points there and got outscored the rest of the game. Now, they are in the 10th seed right now, so they're still technically in the play-in. However, there's so many games remaining, and the competition's always close. Always close. San Antonio's right there. At the moment, right now in the Western Conference, San Antonio's only a game behind Los Angeles. And not even that. Mathematically, San Antonio, the Portland Trailblazers, and the Sacramento Kings are still in play for that 10th seed. Believe it or not, a team that is 27 and 48 in a record this late in the season is still in play for the playoffs. That's how crazy it's gotten so far in today's NBA with all this playing talk. So the Lakers right now, they've been losing two straight so far. San Antonio winning three straight and looking to be on the hot hand. Who knows? I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now, do not be surprised if LeBron doesn't make it to the playoffs this year. It's a real thing, and it could easily happen this year, especially if Anthony Davis isn't coming back anytime soon, and if they don't really get any real bench help at all. I mean, Carmelo Anthony hasn't been doing much. Only Malik Monk's been out there. So that's the real issue right there in Los Angeles. And speaking of which, I do have to mind you for the play in the Western Conference again. Currently, the teams that stand right now for the play-in in the West, Minnesota, Los Angeles Clippers, the New Orleans Pelicans, and, of course, the Los Angeles Lakers. Minnesota, 
right now is a game and a half behind Denver. The record stands at 43 and 33, and Denver has a 44 and 31 record. However, still, Minnesota is a team that will make the play-in if they are there. And I honestly feel like they'll even take a step further and take the sixth seed over Denver. I feel confident. I really feel confident about that. I think that Edwards has been phenomenal. Carnegie Towns, his energy is rejuvenated. And Pat Beverly, I think, has been a huge source of that just because of the competition they had in the past week, a close Mavericks game. And then, you know, the week prior of that, they actually had a great blowout win against the Los Angeles Lakers in Minnesota. And I actually was, I was talking a few years ago back with a Minnesota fan for the Timberwolves. And the one thing that he said that really hated about Carlton Towns was that the fact that he wasn't recruiting, that he wasn't having this energy from him, that he wasn't showing that like he wanted to be more than just an all-star on that team. I feel like now we have a winning culture building in Minnesota. As crazy as that sounds, we haven't heard that since Strawberry and Kevin Garnett over there, and maybe even want to argue with Kevin Love. But Minnesota is having a winning culture right now. And there's no doubt about that. That's from Patrick Beverly. I mean, Beverly did the same thing when it went from Houston to the Los Angeles Clippers. I mean, the Clippers with Patrick Beverly went to the Western Conference Finals. Kind of ended on a sour note, especially with uh, Patrick Beverly pushing and grabbing the literal spine of Chris Paul to get ejected in his Clippers career. But still, you know, hate him or love him, he is really a team builder. There's no other way to describe him. He's a team builder that builds a winning franchise. So he's a huge piece of that, and I feel like Minnesota will take the 60 by the end of this year, which means that the Lakers would have to go either against, of course, the New Orleans Pelicans game, if the standings do stick how it is, the 9 seed going against the 10 seed. But if they win that, they still have to go and face Minnesota or Denver. And that game will be an away game at Minnesota or Denver. Two atmospheres that are absolutely hard to get a win at. Super hard. I mean, let alone the Clippers, if, if they actually have Minnesota winning the 7C and the Clippers go on, you know, you play, you face against the Clippers. I don't feel like the Clippers would actually be the 8 seed at the end of this year. I don't know. I kind of think a matchup between Minnesota or Los Angeles or Denver against Los Angeles. Los Angeles would win that. And by Los Angeles, I mean the Clippers. So I feel like the Clippers would probably take that 7 seed. But if the Clippers do play against Lakers later on in the play-in, this year, I don't even think the Lakers would even have that. They'll probably win the fans in the building, but that's about it. They won't win on the court. So no doubt about that. So it's a real possibility that the Lakers will probably be out of the play-in. I wouldn't even bet on it. I wouldn't even think about it. I think just in a matter of time, it will happen. If they are still in the play-in, it's not going to be nice. It's not going to be a good look. And there's nothing bad about that. I mean, there's a lot of great competition out there in the West. I mean, right now, the West has the first... 60 win team in the past couple of years of course due to covid restrictions on the season numbers of games uh the phoenix suns with 61 wins and 14 losses throughout the year which is insane to think about from a phoenix team who has been red hot since the bubble went undefeated in the bubble and so far hasn't even lost more than 40 games the past two years which is something that not a lot of franchises can say in their history so Phoenix is out there. Memphis is another great team. They actually had a great win against Brooklyn, and Brooklyn actually lost against LaMelo Ball, who had 33 points against Kyrie Irving's home debut game in Brooklyn, of course, with the vaccines 
changing and all the legislation and the pol politics of New York City uh, overlapping themselves into, you know, what a lot of the other states are doing right now. But it's a hard West. It's a real hard Western conference and it's a real hard league to play in. And I think the Lakers are taking a lot of steps behind, a lot of steps behind. But with that being said, between the two team struggles falling down, let's go into the rises of the teams that are really successfully making it right now. And I have to mention, as I said before on this podcast, the Boston Celtics is one of those teams on the rise. 47-28 record. At December, Christmas Day, I remember they had a huge lead over the Bucks, and they lost it. And actually went below 500 for the year. I don't even remember what the record was. I believe it was 23 and 26 they were going into January. They've had the best record in the NBA since January. They only lost one game in the month of March so far. They still have to play the Toronto Raptors and the Miami Heat later on. And I have to say, this might have to be in the talks for a Tatum MVP. This has to be in the discussion now for a Tatum MVP. And I'm not talking about Tatum being a top five. I'm not Tatum being a top two, top three. I'm saying Tatum getting the MVP. Because, I mean, look look at the race right now. I mean, was it Jokic and Joel Embiid? Really? Joel Embiid right now having a great, phenomenal year. He's probably the best player on that Philadelphia team. However, James Harden's on that roster, right? I mean, throughout the year, of course, Joel Embiid was carrying that Philadelphia team. But they're fourth right now. And they've been in a great spot throughout this entire season. I don't think they ever got below the sixth seed at all this year. And then Jokic, right? The Denver Nuggets, always a great roster, great coaching staff. I love Highland Bones. I think he's a phenomenal player to watch. And he's just one of many characters on that team that really build that roster up to be a winning franchise. So there's no reason why players who are good at their own right, great individual players, however, great teams as well, and teams that haven't really struggled at all. They've been neutral. The Denver Nuggets have been neutral this entire year in the sense of where they stand in the standings. Still a great team, great team throughout the entire year. 76ers, good team, turned to great team throughout the entire year, right? The Boston Celtics, they were the 11th and 12th seed. They, they dropped that low. They were below 500 for a good two to three months. A good two to three months. And then they started winning games out of nowhere in January. And the slate of February was a crazy slate after the uh, trade deadline where they got actually a backup big for Robert Williams and Al Horford to kind of go back and forth with the five and then have Daniel Tyson now, who they got from Houston, to play in the four seed. But it is something that is miraculous to me. Tatum right now, he's averaging 33-plus per game in the past stretch of the past three months. Jalen Brown, who got back from his injury, which he was suffering a little bit before the All-Star break, is doing well as well. He's averaging more than 20 a game. And is honestly looking like he should be averaging more than 30 a game. The rotation's great. Robert Williams is actually going to be the next big thing as a big right now in the NBA with his size and I think his defensive caliber. And speaking of the defense, right now the Boston Celtics at efficiency have the best defense right now in the NBA. I mean, the weakest link they have is a guy named Payne Pritchard who's on the bench. 
a small guard. However, he's like a tick out there defensively. Great ball handler, probably the best point guard in his draft class. And let alone, he's got a shot. He's got a real three-point threat. But the Celtics right now, and I'm not saying it's just because of Jason Tatum, which I mentioned before, of course, the Robert Williams, the Payne Pritchards, the Jalen Brown coming back from his injury. And, you know, of course, the Celtic franchise always is revelant uh, in the Eastern Conference. However, however, you have a first-year coach. The team was struggling. They did a bunch of trades, which included Dennis Schroeder and Jason Richardson, who were huge parts of that roster, averaging more than 15 to almost 15 minutes a game. They did that, and they were still able to take the first seed. I mean, and there's a lot of games left, and I understand that it's really close to what it meant before in this podcast. However, they were able to jump away from the playing and skyrocket their efficiency defensively, skyrocket their efficiency offensively. And that's probably the best net rating right now out of all the teams in the NBA right now. You're trying to tell me they did it within a span of three months? And a huge part of that was Jason Tatum? There's nothing you can tell me that makes me feel like Jason Tatum doesn't deserve an MVP this year. I mean, yeah, sure, wait for the playoffs, and you know the MVP is always usually given out you know, around like the time of the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference Finals. And I was like, but you cannot tell me that Jason Tatum isn't a top three candidate. And you, if you even think about including Giannis Antetokounmpo, please don't. Please don't. I feel like Giannis right now in that Milwaukee team without Giannis would still be a great team. And they're only the third seed in the East, which is phenomenal and very impressive. However, don't do that. All right. Milwaukee is 28 and 18 against conference play in the East. Two teams are better than that. The Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics, who both conveniently are 30 and 16 so far against Eastern conference play. All right. And Giannis is having a great year as well. But Tatum, in the past couple of games, let alone majority of the season, 30 or more a game. And the kid's like, what, 24? You cannot tell me he isn't the MVP this year. You just can't. And I wouldn't even be mad if he is or not, but, I mean, it's hard to not understand how he wouldn't even be a candidate, let alone top three, over Jokic and Embiid. And with that being said, I think that Tatum's MVP caliber season is kind of a huge reason why the Boston Celtics are on the rise. And speaking on the rise, I'm going to kill, keep it going right now to the west side, the Golden State Warriors, I have to mention. Even though Phoenix and Memphis, better records, already 50-plus wins from both sides, phenomenal games, have been dominating their conference, and actually, both of them on huge win streaks. Phoenix with eight, Memphis with four straight. But the Golden State Warriors, they kept it going. There is a long span of Klay Thompson and Draymond Green and Stephen Curry not being on the court together. Let alone not even having Klay Thompson for a whole year. And then Draymond Green being injured back and forth, back and forth. Still, they got uh, Wiseman, their big man that they got in the first round a couple years ago. Haven't even played a game this year yet. The fact that they are the third seed currently, and last year they were actually in the play-in. They've always been relevant with a bunch of young guys on roster and still 
dealing with injuries from superstars, they're finally back on the rise and actually contenders this year. It only took a span of three to two years to get back at it, which is impressive to say compared to some of the other teams out there who won a championship and then fell off within two years. And then fell off within a year. Then fell off when there's a real, real, real chance that the Golden State Warriors can win the championship this year and actually go out through the Western Conference. I mean, we're looking right now at their matchup. Their first-round matchup currently right now would be the sixth seed in the Denver Nuggets. That should be an easy game for the Warriors. And nothing against Denver. I know they're a hard team to beat. But out of seven games, I'm taking the Warriors in six. Definitely taking the Warriors in six. So they have a real chance coming out of the first round and still being, I think, good and maybe even better than the majority of the teams that are out here in the Western Conference. I feel like if they even went against Memphis, they would have – it would be a close series, but I think Golden State would come up on top. And then Phoenix coming out will probably be the only team to beat in the Western Conference, which I think the only real chance they have of losing will be if they went against a series against Golden State or possibly even Dallas. I mean, I'm just saying that just because I like the new rotation of Spencer Dinwiddie and Luka Doncic going back and forth compared to what they had with Porzingis, which I was really surprised that they got that trade going on with him with Washington. But it actually was better. It was actually better for the franchise and their chances. But mind my words, Golden State will be a team to look at in the playoffs if they've been on the rise this year. And it's not a surprise. It's not a surprise. They've been a great team, and they will come out winning in the playoffs. And that basically ends up the NBA portion of this. Now we're going to kind of end off things with this podcast with some things that are going around the world. Yesterday was the Oscars, and if you were living under a shell or just not on Twitter that night, it was probably the best live television I have ever seen, ever. Will Smith was actually going be nominated for best actor that year and he actually did win for his role in that richards movie which was kind of like serena williams and venus williams father kind of based on them you know growing up as well as their journey through the whole pathway of going into the tennis world will smith won best actor that night however what happened before that was probably the bigger story and it was chris rock i'm not too positive it was just him out there making jokes or this was actually scripted or not there's still a lot of speculation if this was real or not but chris rock he made a quick comment on jado smith which is will smith's wife and it was about her hair loss and her condition and will did i mean he didn't take anything from that and he immediately went up from the stage after watching his wife's reaction went up towards chris rock and smacked him five fingers crossed smacked him a good slap in the wrist it was like one of those slaps were like like if you were like doing a physics homework and you want to do like a quick like you know acute angle you look at that hit you look at that hit that was a clean smack five fingers crossed over the face of chris Rock. and give it to chris he ate that too he ate the whole hit man he literally was kept on smiling kept the show going and then will smith went back to his seat and obviously, you know, a little bit pissed off at the moment. He uh, says some word that I can't really say on this podcast, but 
I mean, it was kind of one of those things that had everyone pause. I'm still kind of paused about it today. Because I had the news broken to me about this on Twitter literally after it happened last night. And it was, I mean, it, it was crazy because, you know, people were thinking, is, is this real or, you know, what, I mean, what, I mean, what made this happen? And, and one of the crazy things about it is that after it, it looked like that Denzel Washington and another person actually went to go see Will Smith and see if he was okay and, and basically kind of like calm the situation down and, and actually Will Smith, when he got his award for best actor for that movie, his acceptance speech, he mentioned basically what Denzel Washington told him earlier. I mean, it, it, it still kind of baffles me. I feel like it is real, because I think that Will Smith, because in his speech he was talking about defending and loving people, especially his family, he probably did that because that's what he was thinking of throughout the entire time. I mean, he knew what he was going to say for his speech. I don't think there's a question about that. Those guys... They go into there, and they know what they're going to do if they win. You know, you don't go into an award ceremony and just say, oh, thank you, I wasn't expecting this. No, you go in there knowing what's going on, you know. And from that movie, and plus the things that happened recently in Will Smith's life with his wife and as well as his children, he definitely took offense to what Chris Rock said. There's no question about that. So I believe it's real. Uh... I mean, you can say whatever you want. It's staged, it's whatnot. Apparently, they uh, they actually uh, resolved at the Beyonce after party, according to P Diddy, <laughs> which is which is pretty great. But it was a crazy night for the awards, and it has been a crazy week for the NBA as we go down the stretch here, and all these teams are going back and forth. And as I mentioned before, teams on the rise, teams struggling late, and a new contender for the MVP coming up in Jason Tatum. I want to thank you again for joining in for the first official episode of this Courtside Podcast, an NBA podcast. We'll be trying to do this every week, hopefully one or two episodes per week, most likely on Monday and Friday. And I'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you, and I'll see you guys next time.